The Last Word with Matt Cooper. D. Reddy and John Cadell have joined us. We deliberately didn't give John Cadell a drink on the way in. We sent all the beer out. Uh, we only thought he might get sloppy and messy if we gave him a beer inside here while he was doing the... Or belligerent, as he said, outside himself. Mm. Actually, might have calmed him down a bit. Oh, anyway. I don't expect Matt to be as sharp as usual. <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. Both in tone and in intellect. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to go to your Picks of the Week because you both have Picks of the Week from two of my favourite acts. Starting with Judy, a new album from Peter Gabriel. Yeah, I mean, I think this is his first full album in about 20 years. Um, He started dropping uh, singles from it back in January and all of the singles that he's released since have actually, it's very high concept, have been done in line with the phases of the moon. Um, And there's some really, really, like, it's a fantastic listen from start to finish. There's also, like, such a wealth of tracks on this because each and every single song on it has a bright side and a dark side mix. So you get, like, different interpretations of the same song from Peter Gabriel. So the, the single that I chose for you was actually the first single from it, which I think came back out back in January, but it's called Panopticum, and this is the Bright Side Mix. sound and yet still fresh. Yeah, really fresh. There's two tracks in particular on it. One that is the title track I.O. and Olive Tree that are like, they're probably a bit more poppy than the rest of the tracks on the album that they to me just sound like they could be completely fresh and from an artist you've never heard of before and yet still bear all the hallmarks of a man who is an absolute legend in my opinion. 73 or no? You're yeah, the yeah. Mm. And his voice hasn't aged a day. Oh my God, it? his voice sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right, uh, I think Up was his last album in 2002, D. Yeah, and he'd, he'd released, I think, a track maybe back in 2014, yeah. but like this is the first time he's come out with like a full body of work, yeah. and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's okay, I'm definitely going to listen to that over the next couple of days. John, you've gone from a re-release, and you know I normally slag you for that, but mm. I'm going to forgive you for this time. <laughs> oh, thanks very much. <laughs> um, yeah, R.E.M.'s album, Up. Actually, same as the Peter Gabriel album. Oh. Uh, R.E.M.'s album Up is 25 years old and since they sold their catalogue, uh, their new record company has been re- reaping the rewards and there's a 25th anniversary reissue of it, including a second disc, which is a live set that they did for the show Party of Five. Do you remember Party oh, of Five? Oh, I do. Oh, I do. Yeah, so 11 live tracks and then there's also a Blu-ray which has the album in surround sound and some videos from the singles as well. But Up is, it's not considered one of the, the great R.E.M. albums. It was the first they did without Bill Berry, so it completely changed the way that they worked because they didn't have a live drummer in the room. So a lot of the songs were started using a drum machine and that sort of led to the, the, the sound of the album. It's more, well, I wouldn't say it's electronic-y, but it may, it forced them to 
to not be able to turn very quickly with regard to rhythm. So oh, they, right. they'd set a drum machine going and they'd, they'd sort of start jamming to this stuff. Well, almost like a metronome, just kind of yeah. in the background. Yeah, oh, and, cool. and their personal relationships with, with the departure of Bill Berry, their personal relationships were in turmoil as well. I think Michael Stipe famously said that they went away, their manager sent them away to a hotel for the weekend just to vomit on each other uh, for two days. And when, when that was done, there was a, re- there was a real danger that OREM were actually going to break up with the departure of Bill Berry. But the three of them uh, stick to, stuck together and Michael Stipe again said, you know, a three-legged dog is still a dog. It just has to learn how to walk differently. And that they did uh, with this album. It had four singles from it and we're going to take what I think is the finest tribute to the Beach Boys I've ever heard. And this could fit perfectly on Pet Sounds. It's at my most beautiful. It's also a bit Christmassy as well because of the, the jingle bells. Like the Wrecking Crew and Gold Star mm, Studios. It really does. 64. Brilliant. Just brilliant. But it's not even the best track on the album. Um, it, it's just stuffed with great songs. And R.E.M. on their uppers, use the pun, uh, were better than 99% of bands firing on all cylinders. So, yeah, up 25 years old and uh, absolutely ripe for rediscovery. Okay, a listener sent in a very interesting question to me, not related to that at all. Oh. Are you going to see Geddy Lee, my in Life book tour in England this month? Geddy Lee, of course, bass player, keyboarder, and also the vocalist with Rush has produced a fantastic memoir autobiography. I'm not going to be England to see it, but the book I've read is terrific. And the most best bit of it, funnily enough, well, not funnily enough, but strangely enough, is nothing to do with his own life. It's about his parents, mm. who are Holocaust survivors, mm. oh, wow. and the section about what they went through in the concentration camps in Poland is absolutely astonishing mm. stuff. It's a brilliant read in itself. And isn't it true, Matt, that his name, his, his birth name is Gary, but he was called Geddy because it's how his his mother pronounced yeah. Gary. Oh, wow. yeah. Gary yeah. Weinrib. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's a great book, but I won't be getting to England to actually see him. Okay, somebody who's coming back, and I have to admit, I didn't realise Snow Patrol were still on the go, but they're coming back to Limerick next year. Yeah, it's going to be their only Irish show of 2024. Um, they haven't had an album in about four or five years. Um, of course, Johnny McDade of Snow Patrol is one of the, the most successful songwriters of the last 20 years, considering his work with Ed Sheeran. He writes mm. a lot with Ed Sheeran and indeed was part of the court case that was taken against Ed Sheeran. Um, but yeah, two longtime members of Snow Patrol have left the band. Uh, Paul Wilson, the bassist, and Johnny Quinn, the drummer, but that hasn't stopped them. So it's now Nathan Connolly, uh, Gary Lightbody and Johnny McDade and they're going to be uh, touring next year with a date in Thomond Park which is on sale from Friday. And with support from Limerick-based three-piece band Kingfisher as well. So yeah, it was great things. to see 
the kind of local bands getting yeah. the, the opportunity there. Yeah, so I'd imagine are there's you, probably an album. fans of Snow Patrol? I wouldn't be the biggest fan, but I have to say they have a couple of tracks now that you would go, ah, yeah, in fairness, and see that in a stadium. And it's lovely as well to see, sorry, just on that, a, a, a stadium announcement that isn't in Dublin when yeah. they only have the one, rather than it being Dublin and... Yeah, I like Snow Patrol when they sort of rock out a bit. I'm not a big fan of their sort of uh, their sort of bedwetting ballads, like <laughs> chasing cars. And I'm, I prefer them when they're sort of uh, "You're All That I Have" or stuff like that. I prefer that's the side of Snow Patrol I like. But yeah, they're good. And what about chocolate? Recollection. Didn't Today FM bring David Gray back to Ireland for his 20th celebration That's right. of White Ladder? Yeah, it was when the station was celebrating a yeah. big birthday as well, I because think. Because he's now about to bring up the 30th anniversary celebration of White Ladder. No. No? He's not, no. It's no, this, sorry, oh, sorry, this is for the, his previous ah, album. Century his End. Debut. Yeah. yeah, his debut. Ah, that explains it. Yeah, because back in the day, I don't know if you ever saw, he used to play Whelan's a lot. Because he could could only really fill Whelan's. Mm. And he was, uh, as, as Ding Dong Denny O'Reilly famously said, um, he was famous in Ireland more than he ever was in his native Wales. A bit yeah. like a Latter-day St. Patrick. <laughs> but uh, Ireland was the first country, I think, that gave David Gray the impetus to sort of keep doing what he was doing. Because this was the place where he had he had an audience in a way that he hadn't in the UK. Um, and it sort of like galvanised him to keep going. And, you know, I think he himself would say that Ireland is a massive, massive part of his success. Isn't it nice, though, that over that career, he's maintained that relationship with his mm. Irish fans rather than, you know, forgetting about yeah. them when he had success elsewhere? Well, okay, good. I'm going to throw one at you. It's just come in to me and uh, it's just news that's broken. And Denny Lane yes, died. Yes, Denny Lane from Wings, Wings. and the Moody, Moody Blues. Blues. Of course, yeah. yeah, he died at the age of 79. Uh, news broke about an hour or two ago. Yes, yeah, so very, very sad. Uh, I mean, it's not easy being a band, being in a band with Paul McCartney. You know, Paul McCartney is the general. Hey, remember what Alan Partridge said? Wings, the band, the Beatles. Uh, that's, that's not the time. <laughs> that's not the time for that comment, Matt. Um, yeah, Denny Lane. You know, he was the only constant in Wings alongside uh, Paul and Linda, and he, he saw off a lot of band members who came and went. But you know, he he went the distance with Wings. He was there from. Album one, right or two, back to the egg from 1979, and uh, had a bit of a fractious relationship with our Paul. Um, truth be told, but uh, yeah, I mean, f- for his work in the Moody Blues, he, he would have been remembered anyway. But to then to go on and and to uh, to, to work, work with Paul in, in Wings, yeah. D, are you heading to see the Beyonce movie? Um, I probably won't. But that's not to say that I don't think I will probably watch it on, you know, on the telly at home at some point. Um, I... 
You need a big screen and good sound system to get the value. Well, I have a good sound system, not that big a screen, but definitely have the good sound system. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's it. A, a lot of people are clearly doing so. Um, I just uh, I've a list as long as my arm of films that I want to see in the cinema before the year is out, so I won't be making it, um, it for Beyonce. But that being said. It is the first time in over 20 years, I think, that a film has opened at over $20 million uh, in the US box office. The last time was The Last Samurai. This is the, the is, weekend after Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. It's a, like what an extraordinary like feat to, to have done that. And it's kind of weird, actually, that, you know, as as big budget movies are, are floundering, you have Taylor Swift and Beyonce having two of the biggest success stories of the American box office this year. Okay, John, you weren't with us last week when Ed went all puntastic with the Hall of Notes lawsuit. Mm, yes. And, but there's been developments, I believe, in it. Well, it's true. I mean, the, the world is broken if Hall of Notes have fallen out. Yeah, the reason for the, uh, the, the unpleasantness is that John Oates has tried to sell his portion of song, of the Hollow Notes songwriting catalogue to a publisher called Primary Wave. Now, what this would do is this would put uh, Daryl Hall into bed with a company with whom he does not wish to do business. So John Oates would get out scot-free yeah. and get the dollars and Daryl Hall would be subject to the whims of Primary Wave when it came to using his music for whatever they wanted to use it And with for. them being an e- essentially an equal partner in yeah. his career. Yeah, so, you know, I can see the point of this. I can see why Daryl Hall is, uh, is quite perturbed. Um, also, John Oates has the right to do what he wants to do, but you would imagine that after 50-odd years, the two of them would be able to work this out without invoking lawyers. It's just a very sad state of affairs. I thought what the statement that he made was really quite sad, where he was like, I'm deeply troubled by the deterioration of my relationship with and trust in John Oates. Like, mm. for such a long-term partnership to come to that is mm. really, really sad. Yeah, but you're, I'm, I'm, I did listen to uh, Ed last week, and uh, he said that many of the songs weren't written by Hall & Oates, but the Allen sisters, but Daryl Hall and Sarah Allen, I think, who was the subject of the song Sarah Smiles, incidentally. Ah. Uh, they were, like, by and large, the, the writers of many of Hall and Oates' hits. Okay, we will leave it there. D. Reddy and John Cadell, thank you as ever for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today.